Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. On today's show... Another big game for the Hornets on a Friday night. The Cleveland Cavaliers are in town. And the difference between the Cavs resting and the Hornets. And a national writer thinks that the future for MKG is at the power forward position. Interesting. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. I'm Doug Branson, joined by a man who is also sick and tired of exclusively running the triangle offense, the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. Uh, that, that's a, that club is getting smaller, right? I mean, the, the performance is not I, going well. I, listen, Jeff Hornacek, he's sticking with it there in, of course he is. in New York. It, it's amazing. <laughs> like, you know, most people, they see the writing on the wall. They see the trends going through the NBA, and they go, okay, fine. Mm. Even the, the most old school of old school have seemingly relented on this era of uh, pace and space three-point shooting, but not the Knicks. No, not mm-hmm. the Knicks. They are the last bastion of 90s basketball. <laughs> anyway, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It is the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. And, David, it's Friday. That means a hashtag Fun Friday show. Have you, pre- right. have you prepared your heart and mind? I prepared my funny bone. Uh, we got a great show. We're going to preview this game tonight against the Cavaliers. Plus, we'll have some thoughts on the NCAA tournament. David, how late did you stay up watching? Did you catch the final game between Arizona and Xavier? I hear it was a good one. Oh, my God, no. That was, there was another game on? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say yes, and then you said no. You were, oh, my no, God, it was I, a good one. I did not I, watch I, it. I saw the result, though. I mean, so there was one upset. I, I saw the other potential upsets that did not come through, but no, I didn't see the last one. Uh, my friend complained that there were there haven't been uh, maybe zero buzzer beaters so far, but there have not been a lot of buzzer beaters, and he, I guess he equated that to excitement. But I look at these Sweet Sixteen games, oh, and, and you had all of them go down to the wire. Yeah, I, I feel like was, this has I been mean, a very exciting Sweet Sixteen so far. That was a good start. Oh, I feel like since the first round, right? They've been it's been pretty good. I mean, it's been a little chalk last night except for that one game. But yeah, I mean the Michigan game went down to the wire, the West Virginia uh game and whatever that was they tried to do <laughs> at the end of that game was uh you know, it was exciting West Virginia Gonzaga. So those were two good games for sure. Absolutely. We're going to talk more about our it, it, just thoughts on players we saw, any, anything we saw there uh, later in the show. Plus, uh, Max Singh of 16 Wins in a Ring wrote some interesting stuff on Michael K. Gilchrist. We'll get to that in a moment as well. But uh, first, let's talk about this game against the Cavaliers tonight. 
in Charlotte. Tip set for 7 o'clock p.m. Doors are opening a, a little early, I think, uh, to get people in there. So uh, check, uh, check your email. Check uh, Hornets.com for information on that. Um, we should start our preview, David, I think, with this little disclaimer. We have no idea who will play in this game for the Cavaliers. It's the final game of a four-game road trip for the Cavs. It will be the first night of a back-to-back. The second night is at home in Cleveland, and while they have been finding opportunities to rest their stars, they don't traditionally rest guys at home, so you would think that if they did rest, they would rest tonight. But then there's a lot of – they lost against Denver, so they're coming off a loss, and there's a lot of talk about them resting their players so really no idea who will play in this game. They're working Kevin Love and J.R. Smith back into the lineup. So maybe they decide to rest Kevin Love, you know, as he works his way back from injury and play LeBron and Kyrie. Just no real way to tell. Yeah, not to go all woe is me on this, but um, the way this season is <laughs> gone, I, I feel like they're all definitely going to play. You know, the timing works out perfectly. Uh, their, their toughness is being questioned. They've dropped a few games here. That they're 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 holding on with all their might. They're still the number one seed, right? Like by what a game or two? By a game, one game. Yeah, exactly. And so, Boston, uh, no. Boston plays tonight. So with a loss to the Hornets and a Boston win, Boston could be tied for that first place yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah, and home the, court yeah. advantage, by the way, in a in a in an Eastern Conference Final matchup between the Cavs and and Boston. So you know Boston's going to be fighting hard for that. Yeah, they're all going to play. I'm not worried about that. Uh, Yeah, you mentioned they got punched in the mouth in Denver, and uh, Jokic, a big part of that. And after the game, LeBron was questioning the team's toughness, so the toughness question's coming from within. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the same time, a lot of people around the league are questioning elite teams for resting guys, and there may be some subtle toughness questions within that. Um, If everyone does play, David, and you seem to be pretty sure that everyone will play, uh, yes. You can expect the Cavs to be extra motivated for this one. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for the Hornets? Not good, not good, Doug. <laughs> the I old mean, 1950s duck and cover under a desk in, a, in case of yeah. a nuclear explosion. I mean, historically, Nuclear. the Hornets have just struggled against any LeBron team. Um, you know, I've had, just had trouble with it. So, like I said, it seems like it's setting up perfectly for the Cavs to have a resounding bounce-back game and just to get everyone off their backs. But... The Hornets are just going to have to score because, as we mentioned the other day, the Cavs have been struggling particularly on defense as of late. Um, So the Hornets need to shoot better than they have been, certainly better than they did against the Orlando Magic. I mean, that's kind of been their recipe for success lately. You know, the defense is going to be there, but the Cavs are going to score, especially if those big three are playing. So the Hornets have to be able to match that. It's interesting, yeah, when the the Hornets play these elite teams. You know, you hear Clifford all the time preaching defense, defense, fourth quarter defense, getting stops, et cetera, et cetera. But when they play these elite teams, when they play Golden State, when they play San Antonio, when they play Cleveland, you always hear Clifford say, look, you got to score with these teams because there's only so much you can do against these elite players on the defensive side of the ball. So you have to find a way to move the basketball, score it, score easy points, score in transition, run up the score, and then hopefully you get to that fourth quarter and it's close and you've got an opportunity to make stops. But so often you play these teams, you get to the fourth quarter and it's a 15-point deficit and then defense doesn't matter at that point. Um, yeah. And you mentioned defensive issues for the Cavaliers. 22nd overall in defensive rating. This is going to surprise some mm. people. 29th 
in their last 10 games in defensive rating. Let's kick it to Mike uh, Savagno and Locked On Cavaliers. They don't seem all that worried about the defensive numbers, though. Let's take a listen. The, the, you know, those are problems that obviously you would hope will correct themselves. But if, if the Cavs starting lineup isn't playing defense, I think that's where you start to get concerned as opposed to, you know, whatever lineups that they're experimenting with or the bench or something like that, because the starting lineup is going to end up playing, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game together in, in the playoffs. And so that's really the lineup that I look to and they have an 104.4 defensive rating together going into tonight. And so that's good. That's, that would be top 10 in the league. And, that is why I'm not necessarily worried, but you know, if, if that lineup starts to struggle over the next 10 games, then you might have to start thinking about it because we haven't seen Love and we haven't seen JR in a while. So there you go from uh, Locked On Cavaliers. They're, they're not concerned with the defense from the starting unit. So the, you know that tells me the Hornets, who, who the bench play has been a lot better over the last few games. The Hornets will have to get more of that bench play, especially on the offensive side of the ball when they're going up against guys like you know Amon Shumpert and Kay Felder and Kyle Korver, who is on a minutes restriction right now. You've got to really expose the defensive issues once they start to break the lineup. Yeah, I mean, don't you feel bad for the Cavaliers? I'm so bad. <laughs> I mean, I cry I mean, literally I every I, literally every night. Li- literally, I wouldn't be worried either if I was them. I mean, you just you have to trust what you've seen in the past. I mean, you've got LeBron. That's I think that's probably the biggest thing that I feel good about. You have LeBron on your team, so you have to feel like they'll be okay. It'll it definitely definitely be interesting. I mean, Doug, do you prefer it this way though? There's a little bit of a storyline going into this game. I guess not because. You really need the Hornets to win. Like the Hornets have to keep winning. The Heat lost last night. Um, and so they gained some ground there, and every every one of these games count. I think we've kind of chalked this one up as a likely as a likely loss, though. Yeah, you, yeah, we should note that the Hornets are now uh, just two and a half games out of eighth place in the Eastern Conference, and Miami next plays against Boston. I want to say on Tomorrow. Sunday, no I think Saturday. Saturday. Is it Saturday? I think it's Saturday. Anyway, I'll look it up. Go I'll ahead. Ch- I'll check my iCal. Um, but they next play against Boston. And yep. yeah, you got several teams playing tonight. Detroit plays tonight. Milwaukee plays tonight. Um, so this is the critical part of, of uh, the, the schedule for the Hornets. I mean, they, they, they have now put themselves with three straight wins in position uh, to try. And listen, I, I was listening to uh, Steve Clifford on uh, WFNZ on Chris Kroger's show, uh, Primetime. And Sunday, you're right. Sorry. Sunday. It, it was yeah. the thank you. I'm glad when you acknowledge that I get something right for once. <laughs> um, anyway, I was listening to WFNZ and Clifford. Hey, listen, if you had any doubt that they were pushing for the playoffs, and I don't think many people do anymore, but if you did, uh, Clifford mentioned on that show that they were showing uh, they were showing the team instances where teams in the past have closed three or four game gaps with you know 15 or less to play. And mm-hmm. uh, Clifford mentioned specifically the Chicago Bulls under Scott Skiles in 05-06, uh, closing a several-game gap in with 12 to go. So it's not impossible. And, you know, this, the coaching staff has the team focused on that objective. Also interesting note from that show, Clifford's comments on rest 
and they also got profiled in the Charlotte Observer. And it, because the Cavaliers are coming into town, because they are one of the elite teams that is the subject of controversy around resting players, should you know, is it okay for teams to 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 do this who are on the championship hunt? First, let me ask David. We've we've been pretty open about our thoughts. I think we're both on the side of this is a complicated issue, um, but right. but they need to do, do, do the science is pretty clear, um, but it's still an issue for the business. Uh, but Clifford had some interesting thoughts. He said, look, first of all, uh, my owner is Michael Jordan and my associate head coach is Patrick Ewing. Both of those right. guys don't believe in rest. They, he said they would kill me if I, you know, I rested guys. Uh, also interesting though, David, he said a lot of this science is from, quote, from Europe. And I don't think he means that <laughs> in a flattering way. It's not like you say, oh, is that that dress is from Europe? Oh, my God. No, this is did like. It sound, yeah. Did it sound like he was using air quotes on both of those terms, <laughs> Europe and science? Yeah. He's hmm. a, he is a uh, he's a rest. Uh, he might be a rest denier. You know, Michael Smith on the six, is that what it's, I mean, we should know that because Nada is uh, involved with ESPN and the six up there, but he made an interesting point the other night. It's like, look, this is being painted as if it's an epidemic, but it's really like LeBron, it's the Spurs every once in a while, It's uh, and it's it's the Warriors, right? It's not like well, night it. in and night out. We, yeah. we don't care if LeBron and Kyrie and Love rest against Orlando. They, the, the only the only reason this is an issue is because it ha- it keeps happening on national television. National games. I mean, right. you know, you've got Pop and Kerr and Lou basically staring Adam Silver in the eye and yeah. and and taking the cookie. You know, it's they're, they're doing it on on a national stage. That's that's the issue. But um, uh, Clifford also got into some really good points. He, he's he's not completely turned me on this on this idea. I still think rest is important for players, but Uh-oh. he says a lot of play in his opinion a lot, and he's been around the game for a long time. Yeah. You know, a lot of players these days they train with personal trainers and specialized trainers as opposed to training with coaches, like it was kind of back in the back in the old days, in the days of yore. Right. And the NBA limits how much they can do in training camp in terms of how many two a days they can run as compared to the days of yore. So if you ask Steve Clifford, and he was pretty explicit about this on on Chris Kroger's show, Clifford doesn't believe that uh, that necessarily every NBA player is more ready to go for 82 games than they were in Jordan and Ewing's day. That, they're, so that maybe it's not just the science showing that you have to have rest. I think he would say that it's because players' bodies, they're just not ready for 82 games. But it's not impossible for them to be ready. They're just not putting themselves in the position, and the NBA is not helping with that to put them uh, through 82 games. So you're saying by, 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 by having their own guys, they're not? That would be, be I think, not, why, and, and you have to understand where Clifford obviously has some bias. I think Clifford believes, because he is a coach, that when – players train with coaches they have to go harder mm-hmm. than with people that the the players are paying so yeah, there's going I mean, to be the, some like the coaches don't have to there's no you know except with the elite players there's obviously a little bit of tug and pull there but with most players 
you know, the coach tells you to, you know, do X, Y, and Z, do X, Y, and Z. If you're paying a guy, it's a little different. Yeah, but it's also a little different if, if the team is paying the guy, right? And so that that's where the balance probably comes in. If I'm paying a guy, he's going to tell me what's best for me, whereas you could argue that if the team's paying the guy, he's going to tell you to do what's best for the team. And that's some of the argument you're seeing or some of the push and pull you're seeing like in the NFL with – uh, guys uh, sitting out, I guess, or the question of when should they should go back in and examinations and stuff like that. But I mean, that's a whole other conversation, I think. But um, I mean, Clifford seems like he gives these guys a good amount of time off anyway. I mean, they talked to Marvin Williams in that piece yeah. in the observer and, and, and he even said this going back to like training camp. I mean, and maybe even last year when they have, uh, you know, a really veteran group, it's like the practices aren't super hard. I'm not, not, not like, difficult but like they aren't grinding them down in practice and he's mindful of of resting their bodies and trying to give them time off within the schedule what and that's the point within the schedule because i think he recognizes that players aren't you know as apt for 82 or the every other day grind that they're on now that they were Mm -hmm. when when Mm -hmm. michael jordan and patrick ewing played I think the the idea, the question. I think the question of should the Hornets rest players or would the Hornets rest players, I think, is a little flawed. And, and I think that, be, and here's why: yeah. because the Hornets don't have to rest players, and, and Clifford sort of acknowledged that as well because they can't. Uh, it's right. not that they don't have to; it's that they can't because you rest Kimba Walker, you lose the game. Yeah. And uh, they've, but this franchise has never had a once in a lifetime type of player, LeBron James. They've never really been a threat to win a conference championship, much less an NBA championship. And I understand that Michael Jordan is old school. I understand that he doesn't, sure. quote, believe in rest. But I also understand another thing he is a businessman. And, you know, you can't really comment on what you would do in a given situation. It's totally hypothetical because Michael Jordan has never owned a franchise with a once-in-a-lifetime player that packs the seats every night. Right. That's the uh, thing. Yeah. yeah, the most important thing to the Cavs, as it has been all season, is to be as healthy as they can be when the playoffs start. And I think they prefer, obviously, to have the home court advantage, but they want to be in the playoffs with all their guys healthy. If that yeah. means sitting guys out and dropping a game here or there uh, along the way, then they're fine with that. If you need every win to get into the playoffs, I don't think they would be sitting those guys out, do you? You know what I mean? Like you said, it's just a totally different scenario. It's not even coming into play for the Hornets. It's not It's not something they – like when they quoted the guys in there, Marvin, and he may have been the only player quoted in there, but it's like, yeah, that's really not, uh, that's really not in our line of thinking right now. We, we can't rest guys. We're trying to, we're, you know, we're obviously trying to win yeah. and get into the playoffs. To me, this is a total national TV thing. Again, if, if LeBron were resting against Orlando, this is not a big deal. If LeBron's resting against Phoenix, this isn't a big deal. Um, yeah. This and is, we should say, I mean, you know, they're like Westbrook, Harden. Um, it's interesting that those stuff's coming out right now. I guess it goes with the storyline. Um, those two guys in the MVP race and, you know, saying that uh, they both would play. Um, that I guess they don't quote unquote believe in rest, whatever, whatever that means. I think it's funny. they don't sleep. People don't believe. Yeah. Um, they just but stay like, up so all there, night. So, so, so there are guys today. They're saying, "Hey, I'm going to play." Um, and there's, you know, it depends on what they're going for. But like, yeah, the Warriors and the Cavs, right? That's who we're looking at. Those teams are trying to get back to the finals for the third year in a row. They have a totally different um, set of goals day to day to make their ultimate goal than a team like the Hornets does. So it's, it's apples and oranges almost. 
All right, the Hornets and Cavs, again, they play tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. Should be a good game. They have not dueled since New Year's Eve 2016. The Cavs put a beatdown on the buzz in Charlotte. That was without Kyrie in the lineup. LeBron James and Kevin Love combined for 60 points. But the Cavs uh, punished the Hornets on nearly every one of their 13 turnovers for 24 points. Uh, The Hornets better hope the Cavs don't decide to pull it together defensively because when the Cavs' offense is humming, it is almost impossible to stop. Their spot-up game makes up a majority of their offense as opposed to most teams that like to run heavy pick-and-roll, and and they are tops in the league in points per possession on those plays. A lot of it is just LeBron James, Kyrie Irving creating off the dribble, pulling uh, one, maybe two guys over, and then kicking it to each other or to Kevin Love. They are second in the league in isolation play efficiency, and it makes up nearly 12% of their offense. Compare that with the Hornets with only uh, that that only ISO 4% of the time and are 28th in points per possession on isolation plays. Uh, so there, I'm getting my money's worth on the Synergy subscription. <laughs> oh, man, I've gone back and forth with those cats. Um, let's talk some – let's talk a quick uh, NCAA tournament thoughts. Um, I liked what I saw out of Caleb Swanigan in the yes. first half, the second half – not so much. Uh, you know, they really just could not run. Purdue could not run with Kansas. Um, but Swanigan, I think, is going It's going to be an adjustment. I think uh, fitness and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just ability to handle an 82-game season, I think, is a concern with Caleb Swanigan. Um, but really liked what I saw. He had that nice uh, uh, pass down to the big man. I mean, he's got passing skills. Uh, he's got size. He's got strength. I really like what I saw out of him. Uh, you know, one pet peeve I have – uh, that that showed up in this. That's really shown up a lot in this NCAA tournament. You, you probably have more than one, but go ahead. I have a lot of peeves. That's true. Papa <laughs> Murphy's Pizza, wind, bees. I've got a whole I'm book. With, I'm with you on wind. I'm with you on wind. Wind is no the worst. Like wind is unless the you're on a boat. It is the most useless weather phenomena. All it does is serve to annoy. All it does is serve to to I, harm. I'm with you. There's probably some science that would argue against both of our non-scientific well, points, but listen, uh, unless you're I'm on a wind, boat, I'm I don't, a wind I don't denier. Need wind. Uh, yeah, I don't need wind. All right, here's my pet peeve, though. It's announcers that when when a play happens, a dunk, uh, you know, a nice layup, they just go nice. <laughs> it's like the extent <laughs> of their analysis. Nice, like, like the play-by-play guy. Yes, or or no, the, no. It's usually the the color commentator. Mm. But they just say nice, nice. and I'm I'm Who sitting there this? going, look, I, I as my Who Chris Webber, Chris Webber, Chris, Chris Webber, oh, really? Yeah, mm. but it's not just him. It's a, there's it's a it's a to me it's an epidemic not only in college basketball but NBA. I see it I see it happening in the NBA. These mm. players only nights, especially just guys going somebody you know just has a sick game well, and they go they go nice. The like I on nice, my right? on my couch, I can say nice. I can turn to my buddy. Uh, and go, yeah, nice, a nice play. I need them to tell me why it was a nice play. I cannot see Hubie Brown saying nice. <laughs> no, like the players I need... only. I mean, we, yeah, they're they're still trying to fill their way out of this thing. The, the players only night. So, hey, I mean, listen, give them, them they're taking they're taking nights from from journalists. I need them to. I, I got to hold them to the same standard. Doug, that's because they played the game. They uh, know well. the game. Like these, you know, like us guys, we just watched it for you. you know, we were in. You we were in the game, Doug. All right, that's All right. just a pet peeve of mine. Any any other that was tournament our thoughts? Tournament break. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that was a breakdown. Of yeah, tournament. stay tuned for Elite Eight when we talk about. 
the music that they play. Something he says. What do you think about um, Nigel Williams Goss um, last night in the Gonzaga game? Did you take notice of him? Because we talked about him a little bit in the uh, in our in our quote unquote preview. But I thought his defense in the last play was pretty good. Um, I thought he was interesting. The only thing that I took notice of in that Gonzaga game was how ridiculous that final sequence was. Oh, that was that was so that much hurt. dribbling. No, 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 no. Now so many this, bad shots. There's no way they had a timeout, right? Like West Virginia definitely. They did, did not. not have a they did not. Okay. No. Okay. So maybe conserving a timeout or two during the course of the game would have served them well. Well, but... you know, Roy Williams was watching that game and going, "There you go." <laughs> well, hey, I mean, would I don't you give like a damn, dumb Dern. It would have been nice to have one, but also here's okay. So two things on that play. One, they they did they could have gone for a quick two uh, at the first when they first started hoisting up threes, right? And why did they foul the rebound on the previous possession? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Didn't make any sense. It's, just, it's one of those things Kids. you see in college all the time. Yeah, you see it all the time Youngins. in college. And you're, like, and you're like, it's. it was, I think there was 30-plus uh, seconds to go, right? They could have They could have played the possession out on defense and still been down maybe three. I think that's correct. But you see that all the time, and it drives me crazy. That's my pet peeve. There's, uh, we have them. We have plenty of pet peeves in this NCAA tournament. All right, uh, I want to get to this article. Max Singh of 16 Wins and a Ring wrote an article titled, Michael Kidd Gilchrist has lots of pace and no space. Goes through a lot of statistical analysis and video analysis to tell you something that you know, listeners of this show will, will definitely know, that MKG has uh, not taken a lot of threes and uh, has struggled to make the, the few that he has taken. He is not uh, spacing the floor. He, he takes a few dribbles inside and you know a couple spots on the floor, that uh, left elbow that he really likes to shoot from or coming across the lane and pulling up from the free throw line. Those are his shots this season. Uh, but this quote piqued my interest. Max Singh says, quote, Considering all of this, moving MKG to the power forward position seems to be the best bet to optimize his talents. Now, he does note that that might not necessarily fit within the Charlotte Hornets' plans, but what do you think? MKG at the four. Not as a starter, Mm -hmm. right? Can't be as a starter, right? No way. That's a great, I mean, there's, so that'd be the opposite of a stretch four. The opposite of a stretch four, but I think the point is he's (laughs) 6'7". I, that you, mm-hmm. I, I, what I hear all the time is play MKG at the four. It's gonna be it's gonna be brilliant. He can switch all of these screens. He can he can hold his own with bigger power forwards. You know, go small death lineup. This can work for the Hornets. And I just think how is how is the team supposed to rebound? He's six seven, and and, and then and then you would immediately say, well, he's averaging seven rebounds per game. That's because he's at the small forward position and he's slashing and he's athletic. But if he has to be down low with a bigger power forward, it's just physics. I mean, a, a bigger he's going to get yeah. knocked out of the lane. What if he has to traditionally yeah, rebound? Yeah, and and you I mean, know, apart from just injuries and yeah. just banging bodies, they're they're just not going to be able to rebound. This doesn't. I'm sorry, Max. This to me, this doesn't. <laughs> This doesn't pass the smell test. That's my thought. That, do you think if he 
Do you think this would be an issue? I think he has to learn how to shoot, shoot a three-point shot. Okay. And, and this is not ask. like, yeah, this is not this is not rocket science. And I, and I don't think I'm telling, I'm not like revealing any information to the team or revealing any information to them, to, to Michael. I mean, he, you know, the, he was trying to shoot three-pointers last season. It didn't work yeah. out this season. It has to work next season. You think so? I do. I, I just, wow. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Look. I mean, not that it doesn't, but I, so I understand. I understand. Listen, I understand the starting lineup has played very well. Um, but when you look at the record, even when the starting lineup's been healthy, they're only seven games above 500. Right. That was, that's a, a that's one game below what they paced last season. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're telling me that, I mean, I understand they've played well. The, the, the point differential shows it. Um, the, the plus minus shows it one of the best in the league. I get it, but I think to, to get what the Hornets want, which is a first round series victory, you can't have two guys in, in the starting lineup that can't shoot threes. No, you can't. And so this feels like all these uh, solutions are almost trying to fit, uh, you know, a round peg in a square hole almost, you know what I mean? So like they're trying to take what they have and just somehow move the pieces around, but that, and that's what that feels like. But, I mean, the ultimate answer, of course, like you said, is to get MJ, MKG to hit a couple of, uh, of threes. And so, I think that will be the focus in the offseason. It will not be on moving well, him to the to power be. forward position. You get 6-7, you can't play power forward. Come on. No, um, it has to be. Well, one thing that has helped this Hornets starting lineup is, and we'll end on this, Marvin Williams continuing his resurgence in March. He's averaging 12.6 points. 11.3 rebounds and 3.4 assists over his last eight games. Here's the crazy part, David, about his March numbers. His spot-up shooting numbers are actually down over his last 10 games. His increased production has been all about what he's been able to do at the rim. Before March, his field goal percentage on drives to the rim was at 53%. In March, it's been 718 Four percent. He's looked more explosive, um, you know, more ready to drive the basketball, and he's finishing at the rim, and that's exciting to see. What do you think is the cause of that? Or not the cause I have no of that, idea. but the reason behind that. that I have that, no see, idea. That's, the, that's the most interesting question, and I hope someone asks that at some point, you know, either after the season or, or towards the end of well, the season. Well, I did. Like, I was I was at practice the other day and got a chance to to chat with Marvin and. I did ask the question, you know, what do you what do you attribute to this? And and uh, Marvin's answer was basically that uh, you know he knows he has not been consistent, but he's um, but, I, but really, I mean, I'm sort of prefacing here, but he just said he was feeling it, you know, essentially. Mm-hmm. And because I thought, you know, maybe you look back and he had that hyperextended left knee injury back in November. Mm-hmm. He's he's an older guy, and older guys, you know, normally take a little bit of time uh, to recover from from these type of injuries so I thought maybe you know there was a little bit of that going on and he's he's finally starting to feel really good but um Marvin said he feels no different so take that take that for what you will but he's certainly playing like he feels a lot better it looks to me just to to a person that watches a lot of basketball he looks like he's getting off the floor better he looks like I mean that dunk against Biombo I mean he just looks more he looks more explosive. He looks more like the player that we saw last season. He does. I mean, you can't really deny it. And a couple of shots are going in here and there, but 
it's funny because you look at his numbers and Doug, I mean, they're almost identical, <laughs> like just his actual production numbers, right? Not like the shooting percentage, obviously, and the three point percentage, but the points and rebounds and the assists of what he's given the team. It's 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 almost identical to last year. It's kind of crazy. Just obviously the efficiency and the percentages are down and that's hurt uh, clearly. But yeah, he's looked bouncier and he, he always looks this threes have generally looked bouncy throughout the year. But uh, especially on the boards and just getting out in space. I think he has looked old. he's looked like he's got his step back or something. And it's it's like, wow, uh, there, is it one of those things? There there wasn't an injury, right? He didn't he didn't lead you to believe there was any lingering effects of injury or anything like that. No, like I said, he had that he had the hyperextended left knee early in the season. But um, you know, according to him, he's feeling the same. Just. Getting, I mean, he's obviously been a little bit more aggressive in terms of his drives to the rim. That's the thing. His shots, that's what I'm saying. His shot is still really not falling at the rate that we saw it fall last season. You know, that, that pick-and-pop game has gone more towards Frank Kaminsky uh, and, and less towards uh, Marvin. Marvin's been sort of hiding in the corner, a lot like he played in that first season where he did. I mean, you saw last season, there was so much Kimba Walker – Marvin Williams pick and pop. That game has gone away a little bit and gone again, gone more towards Frank Kaminsky. Now Marvin's in the corner, um, but Marvin's also driving now a lot more. And I, I think it's it's an important. It's been part of uh, the reason uh, that the Hornets are uh, on this streak that they're on. And yeah. listen, against the Cavs tonight, they're going to need everything. They're going to need oh Marvin uh, to be uh, hitting everything at the rim. They're going to need Marvin to knock down a couple of threes. Frank Kaminsky has got to bring it. Uh, Kimba and Nick have to play better than they did uh, in that last contest. Uh, they have got to have everyone in sync, and they've got to be ready from the jump. Uh, that's the key for tonight. And we are out of time, so enjoy the game tonight in Charlotte if you're going to the arena or if you are watching at home. Thanks so much for listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast this week. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. We will be live tweeting the game tonight. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review. It It helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. We're back again next week with much more of the best Charlotte Hornets news and analysis you can find anywhere. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Cavs. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17